punches. That's cheeky. I'll say that. What? Again. What do you mean cheeky? It was. A, I said it in a cheeky way. Nubiantes. Hello, uh, hello, hello. Hmm. Hello and welcome to Beyond Pod, the world's second most popular Marillion podcast. I'm Paul Rose, and I'm here with my wife Sanya. And this week, as you listen to this, we're going to Port Zealand. Yes. I had to think about that because it's not this week yeah, in our this, real time. We're recording this the week before. That's obviously. what brain did not compute. Brain was like <laughs> trying to do the maths brain of did it. Brain not compute. Uh, yeah, so it's very exciting. Are you excited? Yeah, I yeah, am. I am. I am. The only <laughs> here we go. The only thing that is playing on my mind at the moment is is one of the most banal. What I don't know what you know me. I get I get stuck on stupid practicality. So it's like, what jacket shall I wear? Because <laughs> It's going to be warm in the tent, but then it's cold when you walk to the tent. And I couldn't log into my BBC weather app because it wanted me to register and I didn't want to take the time to it's do It's never that. boiling in the tent. Don't forget. No, yeah, that's true. It's not like going into a, a normal gig venue. It's but never that boiling. The issue is, boiling. is at the moment here, it's freezing. Yes. So I'm like, if it's as cold as it is there as it is here now, what would be I the think bright? it's slightly warmer looking at the weather forecast. Than it is today. It Today's is. the day we've had all the snow here in, yes. in the UK. So I think we'll be all right. I, I seem to recall in previous years, I've never like had to take my jacket off or anything in the tent. I've really? always kept it on. Yeah, I never get that hot in there. What jacket? I don't think this should stay in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, mate, look, we're not alone. We're not alone in having these discussions. There are other couples across the world <laughs> wondering what sort of jackets to what take. What jacket did you wear last time? I don't know. So if you had your thick Marillion fleece that went missing. Yeah, Lucy, by no. the way, if you're listening, remember you promised no. me you were gonna go in you were no. gonna go in the racket club Ball. storage. <laughs> wow. Marbles fleece. Marble grey marbles fleece. Wow, Paul. My favourite fleece. You do not miss an opportunity. No, I don't. But that would be a perfect thing to wear because it it was it's quite thick and warm, but you wouldn't get too hot in it. And branded. And branded. Yeah. I think last time I wore a thermal fleece and then I wore a windbreaker on top because I could take the windbreaker off and tie it around my waist. Right. And keep the fleece on. And it and the windbreaker because it keeps out a you, chunk. You of know, I'm actually I'm actually having second thoughts about keeping this bit in. <laughs> that, that, now that now that you've gone off on one, I'm actually thinking maybe I won't keep it in. Jeez. <laughs> Wow. Sanya's clothing podcast. Uh, Yeah. Anyway, I'm very excited. We're not going to be there till the Friday. We finally sorted out our coach travel. Oh, Uh, yeah. Hot tip, everyone. If you're going to sign up for the coach... But it's too in late. Port now. Zealand. But it's in too future. late now. But if ever you decide to go to Marillion, we can sign up for the coach. Please use the same email address that you sign up with to pay for the account, to pay for the the coach. Yes, uh, I've I've had three, maybe four emails from Resnova saying you've not paid uh, to both different accounts. There's one saying you've paid, but you haven't sent the 
uh, booking form and the right. other one saying, you've sent the booking form, but you haven't paid. <laughs> and every single time I've had one of these emails, I've replied saying, no, we we paid from this email address and no. sent from this one. And each time, no reply until yesterday. It when, finally, when finally yesterday I said to them, I said, look, I'm getting a bit annoyed now. <laughs> Words to that effect. Get a little bit, little bit annoyed now that you're not replying. You're still sending me an email. Anyway, it got sorted. So our coach is booked. Unfortunately, you ready for the next thing? Uh-oh. Oh, we're cutting it fine. Oh, no. Again. Yeah, if our flight is delayed, we're screwed. We're once again waiting till a, late, a much later coach. This oh, is the trouble we're going on a Friday. No. This is our trouble. Um, Why didn't we get an earlier flight? I, we, we've got a pretty early flight. I mean, well, also because if we're going on the Friday, I don't want to be getting up at 5am and then having to go to a gig in the evening. I would. I'd, I'd okay, well, I, okay, 4am. Whatever. So that's why we're not. So this, this isn't a positive way to start a podcast, Paul. That's fine. It is what it is. Again, across the world, thousands of people are having these same conversations. I can't be the only one who's had problems with that coach. Uh, anyway, so uh <laughs> great start. What else, Paul Zealand Weiss? We're we're getting there on the Friday. We're not doing the Thursday nights, so never been to that. The fancy dress party um, that they have, unfortunately. But I hope everyone has fun who's getting to go to that. Oh, yeah. I want to see some photos. Yes, I'm sure The fancy dress. Uh, I think it's fancy dress this time. Normally is. Maybe wrong. Maybe people just go in fancy dress regardless. But Maybe uh, it's just their normal clothes. At the end of the episode, we're going to guess what they're playing this year. Okay. Uh, we're going to, but we'll, we'll save that until we've got through the final couple of songs on the hard shoulder so else we're going to be doing at the end of the episode now we um some of you may be aware uh last year we were meant to be going to the poland meridian weekend oh yeah i keep meaning to check our passports okay again lots of this doesn't need to be in the podcast sorry lots of it we are podcasting right now that is true (laughs) we are podcasting sanya we're meant to be providing an entertainment for our audience not, ang- not secondhand anxiety from our anxieties. Your anxieties. Oh yes, my anxieties. Mine. I suppose it's a, it's anxiety about the coach. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, now that I've seen how how uh, short a window we have. How to get... short a window is it? Not long. If we're if we're late, we're buggered again, and once again, we're going to be sat there for three hours waiting for the next one because there aren't many on a Friday. Oh. Anyway, some of you may remember. We had a disaster with our attempts to go to the Poland Meridian weekend last year. And then some of you may also know, because we moaned at length, we had a a, a pretty crappy year last year, um, which we seem to be coming out of. You know, I've got work. Um, you know, I'm out of my, my slump. I'm through all that in a good place, generally. Um, so that's nice. But... <laughs> We jokingly, or I jokingly said on this podcast at some point when we didn't even know if we were going to be able to afford to go to Port Zealand, uh, I jokingly said, if anyone wants to sponsor us to go to Canada. Um, oh, yes, <laughs> I didn't know where you were going to... with, with this preamble. So, astonishingly, someone took us up on it. I know. <laughs> uh, How... Someone no, called we, our we bluff. blown away. Now, um, ultimately... I mean, we we thought about it for weeks. We literally. did. I mean, it was uh, so tempting. We didn't reply. So tempting, especially because it's like somewhere that I personally wanted to go for. Yeah, I'd love to so go. Long. Of course, I'd love to go. So we priced it up in terms of you know what was being offered for this sponsorship to go to the Meridian Weekend, and 
ultimately we decide we haven't quite sorted our finances out enough to sort of justify the spending money once we were there but we also it's a long way to go just for a weekend and the sponsorship was kind of only covering you know a few nights and anyway so we weighed it up came very close to saying yes uh and ultimately we we said no because for all those reasons but we were so grateful to john maybury and his band mind furniture from the san jose area and they're a really good band i listened to them they're they're melodic prog of the the ilk that i really like look them up but we're so grateful that um i said to john we'll play one of your songs so stick around for the end of the episode where we'll be playing a track by mind furniture so it's getting like a radio show this now yay Anyway, um, let us move on to the hard shoulder and finish up at last. We're at the shoulder blade. Yes, yes. Happiness is the road. We're at the finish line of the road. Yes. And at the shoulder blade of the shoulder. Okay, so penultimate track on the entire album is especially true. You want to start talking about it, Sanya? Let's start talking about it, Paul. Okay, so musically, from the rocky opening bars, I assumed that I wouldn't like this song, but... Oh, twist. But then it it said, (laughs) but twist. Um, When it settled down, it it really grew on me. Not to the point of, like, it's now my favourite song, but it grew on me to the point where I was like, oh, actually, there you go, you surprised me. Yeah, it's another... I think, like, this whole album seems to have been really great for showcasing the electric guitar and especially I'm always am- especially sorry true. I'm always amused that you always specify the electric guitar because it's not an acoustic guitar. <laughs> every time I don't, don't, and every I time don't, I, don't I, I think why she specified electric it's like rare that Rodders uses an acoustic guitar oh yeah <laughs> but that's oh. fine it's not a criticism I my just mind is blown funny. now that you've pointed that out yeah whoa Whoa, dude. You don't say the electric bass. Is there an acoustic bass? Yes. such a thing? You get an acoustic bass. Do you? You ever seen a double bass? Oh, double bass. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. What on earth? Yeah, my mind's blown by that. Wow. Okay. Okay. Anyway, so another guitar, an epic guitar showcase. Okay. Um, And I'm loving the Rocky Americana vibe. Yeah, I mean, I I don't really have a lot to say much about, like, there doesn't seem to be a lot of, like, mysterious musical complexity in it that I picked up. It seems quite straightforward musically. I don't know, I could be wrong about that. And then again, it gets heavier again at the end, and I thought, "Uh uh-oh, I don't usually like Marillion's heavier endeavours, but I think they do it quite well Mm. in Especially True. You're looking at me with a slightly confused expression. No, I'm not. What what does that expression mean? I tried on, it means I trod on my glasses the other day, and I I'm frowning to keep them on my face. Oh, okay. I That's thought, what that expression. I thought something I on my that I was saying wasn't making sense. No. Yeah. So yeah, nice little song. Okay. Uh, good. What what would you like to yeah, say about it? It's a it? weird one. Um, I think I remember the band saying that that they felt this was a bit unfinished, that that they felt it needed a bit more development. Right. And I can see that in there. Um, but it's weird, isn't it? Because it sort of goes against everything we said about whatever is wrong with you, which, because I'm like you, I quite like this. And I've mm. always sort of liked it. I found it quite sort of catchy. and. But it does have quite a bit of 
kind of melody sewn in with the heavy, the rockier part. It's not like heavy, heavy. Is it heavy, heavy? Well, here's the thing. Someone on uh, Twitter, uh, um, one of our listeners, Brad, uh, commented the other day how whatever is wrong with you feels like it's trying to be Nirvana's heart-shaped box. Now, after he tweeted me about this, Mm. I went and listened to heart-shaped box and it's like, oh my God, that, that he's so right. That's exactly what Marillion are trying to be. They're not just trying to do a rock song. They are trying to do grunge. They're trying to do Nirvana. I actually thought that the last bit of especially true sounded a bit nirvana-y yeah it's it's but kind it of works. a bit it's it does work. weird isn't it for, for us look we know we're in the minority lucy once again told us we were talking bollocks in the last episode because uh, <laughs> <laughs> we are that's uh, what we do best unfortunately um but you know we know we're in the minority maybe when they they do whatever's wrong with you but regardless it doesn't work for you and i and and yet, isn't it interesting how especially true kind of does work for us? Yeah. Yet it's still what you would class as like a sort of heavier rock song. Well, the end book the ends end of bit. It. Yeah. Yeah. When I said the Nirvana thing, I was talking about especially true. No, I know you were, but you you should listen to Heart Shaped Box. I tell everyone, everyone, go and listen to Heart Shaped Box and then listen to whatever is wrong with you. Oh, interesting. Um, and again, I mean, I'm, Heart Shaped Box works for me partly. I have to stress this: nothing we've sort of said about whatever is wrong with you is a criticism of age. It's it, it's just about, you know, using the right tools for the right job. So you listen to sort of Kurt Cobain's voice on Heart Shaped Box and it works. It works. It gives that song a sort of greasy, kind of dirty sort of vibe that they're clearly going for. Mm. And just H isn't that. He's silk. Yes, we've said he's silk. Yes, he's a marshmallow. No, he's not a marshmallow. That's not right, is it? No, marshmallows aren't silky. Uh, I was thinking of like a, a silk shirt or something, like a flouncy. Shirt. <laughs> He's flouncy, whereas whereas Kurt Cobain is like uh, an old an old plank of wood with nails hammered in. Wow. Well, he was. I was thinking if we, I was thinking more in terms of items of clothing. Kurt so Kurt was Cobain I. Yeah. Would be like <laughs> <laughs> he wears it on his head, the plank of wood with nails in. Anyway, um, but yeah, but back to especially true. I think I I I just think it's sort of catchy, really. There's an almost sort of marching beat. That's what it reminds me of, you know, with the with the lyrics that are sort of talking about America. Mm. The kind of I can imagine sort of cheerleaders on majorettes sort of marching in a parade or something. Yes, almost, at points in this song. Yeah, and then yeah, the guitar which sort of just carries it through, which is that that catchy riff that rothers you know, repeats throughout the song. Uh, and then the way it sort of drops down and goes kind of uh, these sort of gentle keys and then it goes into that kind of almost punky grunge yeah. bit at the end. But, again, this this is what it comes back to, is what happened with radiation, is that Marillion sometimes get influenced by these things several years later than they've been in the zeitgeist. <laughs> so maybe that's why it feels forced. Do you think it feels forced in especially true? I no, no, I no, no, it doesn't. Well, I don't know why it works for me. It just does. Yeah, it just does. Like just sometimes does. you just add the right ingredient to a dish and it just gels perfectly. Yeah. There's a great 
synergy between the ingredients. And I think that's the same with music. I think it's a better song than its reputation, put it that way, which its reputation is non-existent. I don't think anyone even sees to remember that especially has, Drew exists half the time. Has it been played live very often? Oh, or is it one of those? I, if I, it, uh, no, it hasn't, but I'd have to go and look it up to tell you exactly how often. Um, but no, it, it really hasn't been wheeled up often but i would like it to be because i think it's short it's catchy it's punchy it's to the point and i also as well before we fully get into it i actually really like the lyric i don't entirely know what it's about i've got my theories and i right. don't find any h quotes about it but oh good, um, good i'm gonna get a poor rose guess you are gonna get a guess you've been getting guesses more or less for all this album because my uh copies of the web magazine with the band interview about this album i don't know <laughs> I put them somewhere oh, safe. No, I put them, instead of putting them with all the other ones, I put them aside. Oh, dear. Um, you know that's a mistake. Yeah, I know. I know, but that's, that's what I did. I'm going to put this thing in a safe place. No, they're, they're, yeah, they're in a safe place, but I haven't been able to find them for... Oh, no. Anyway, um, so do you want to talk about what you think it's about? I shall. All right, so... <laughs> I've yeah, got, oh, I have not, we're laughing. Yes, because I have not written much. This is like... One of, I don't think I've written a this great This is one deal. of the worst, like most, what's the word? It's just like a really quick guess. Okay. Is this song, well, to me, it sounds like it's a song about being a tourist in the good old US of A. Yep. And doing all like the classic American things, like going to the baseball and he falls in love with a redheaded cheerleader. And he seems to embrace all the TV cliches and encounters. But there was one thing that I had a question mark over, although since writing it, I might may have answered myself. Um, so I, I wasn't really sure what truth's always stranger than fiction meant. And then I thought maybe it means that when you're there, it's even way, um, it's it's more different than you, you expect it to be. Yeah. Because you know how you've said, and I've, since being to the USA, I agree with you. Sometimes it feels more like a foreign country than non-English speaking countries in Europe. It does, yeah. It there is. are parts yeah. of it where you're just like, whoa. I remember but the first that, time I went to yeah. New York and there was like a full-on guy dressed in like a Colonel Sanders outfit just walking down the street. Yeah, culturally yeah. it feels more alien yeah and i don't get me wrong by the way to any of our american listeners oh no we love I, it we love visiting america i'll go back in a shot any time of day and year yeah and i've been kind of obsessed my entire life with america and american culture and you know when my sisters married her first husband or met her first husband he was from georgia and you know, I idolized him partly because he was American. <laughs> I just had a thing for, you know, it seemed and when I first went there when I was like sort of 12, 13, and it felt like stepping into a film. You know, I it felt like being in this sounds weird, but it felt like being in E.T. Because oh. my sister they lived uh on Edwards Air Force Base. In, and there was a little California. alien next door next right. door with a alien. glowing finger. Yes, that's right. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> just they had a very short, shriveled old neighbour <laughs> <laughs> with a long neck trying to touch me with his finger. Sorry, no, Paul. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, so I've always sort of had a, a thing for it. What were we saying? Sorry, I just truth's always stranger than fiction. Yeah, and it it it's a surreal place because 
I suppose so much of our culture or that we get here, you know, it's through TV and films and things. And when you go to America, it does mm. feel like a film set. But yes. then, then the people you meet, you know, they're often, you know, we know lots of Americans, we've met lots of Americans and, and yet then you kind of go there and then all those sort of stereotypes that you've read about and seen. They're real. They're real. I know. Actually, it's, it is a really surreal experience because the first time that I went there, it was like I was expecting it to be less like TV. No. And the people to kind of be more kind of like with the the saturation turned down or something than what you see on TV and in the movies. And it so wasn't. It so wasn't. So the first time I ever went to the States, it was to New York. And then the second time it was with you to LA and Las Vegas. And each time it's like completely different. It's like a completely different country. Yeah. Each state is like a completely different country. And the saturation in real life is actually turned up. Yeah, it does. It feels, and it's also a mixture of what the cities look like. But then when you get out of the cities, the scenery is so, again, yeah. vivid. <laughs> Remember when we went into when we went to Death Valley and we were having dinner in a restaurant mm -hmm. there, De Death Valley, like the desert, um, Death Valley National Park. Everyone knows Detroit. Everyone knows what Death Valley. Okay, is. I didn't. Before <laughs> you didn't. You never <laughs> heard of Death Valley until we went there. No. What? Yeah, like what? the hottest place on earth. I'd never heard of it. Okay. Um, uh, anyway, so we're having dinner in the restaurant there, and then all of a sudden, like this guy just walks in with one of those handkerchiefs, like cowboy handkerchiefs around his neck and a cowboy hat on, and there was like sand blowing all over the floor. It was like we had been plucked from reality and placed into a movie screen but do you also remember that in that place there were loads of croatian movie posters everywhere? oh yeah that was that was that weird. just made it even more surreal mixed with jet lag yeah. it really felt like we were in a dream yeah that was a surreal day you know and i hope none of this sounds kind of racist or any in any way against americans because it's not intended it's it's more a celebration of our sort of bold your country is it's what it feels like the entire country yeah. is painted in these bold strokes bold is a good word I'm, I'm including the scenery i mean the scenery is just phenomenal yeah i mean you know we're not going to touch on the politics of the country or anything like that but uh why are you grinning at me well like yeah because politics in any country is a is a, a hot sensitive... button topic yes yeah, a sensitive yeah. topic but um yeah I, i'm all often interested to know what americans make of england because mm. there have been times when I've come back from the States and driven from like Heathrow Airport home and the roads just feel so small. Everything feels so small. Yeah. Like close together. Close together. Squash. Yeah. And but also whether they come here and because I mean I the sense I get is that the idea of sort of Britain overseas is kind of different to what it actually is. You know, we don't all walk around in bowler hats and you know, apologising to yourself. one another. Oh yeah, um, so I don't know. I don't know whether we live up to our reputation. I mean, yeah, we don't all live in castles, and we don't all oh. what? Oh, and that was just a disappointed. Oh, well, you know, I we wish don't. we did. <laughs> really? Would you like to live in a castle? Yeah, I'd love it. Okay. Anyway, um, but I kind of think lyrically, <sighs> that's what the song feels like to me. Thematically, it's about. It seems like it feels like there's a sort of degree of 
alienation of sort of just experiencing America. Now, I don't know whether there's any truth in the song. I mean, there's certainly the whole cheerleader with hair of red flame. How could I know there was England below? I that mean, so I it's like... I understand. I was trying to What it reads like, it's like, that. oh, OK, someone, the subject of the song, has met an American woman who actually is, is secretly is, English. That's what, that's what I've always it read it as. Yeah, that's how I interpreted it. Yeah. But uh, that, that that line kind of really baffled me as that's well. What it, that's what it reads like, but yes. who knows? Um, here, here in the home of Miss USA, what's a wide-eyed English boy going to do? You with the heart of the USA and me with the spite of a small English town. Oh, sounds like a little uh, love story. Well, that's sort of how Possibly. I've always read it, or at least sort of some sort of uh, cross-cultural love story almost. Mm. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I you know even it's starting you know I gazed upon you from the bleachers and like that sort of imagery and you know America shock and awe because you remember what that was with the Iraq War um, they tried to sort of an America attacked mm. or, or launched its counter attack they used tactics called shock and awe which was like sort of such heavy bombing that they wanted to you know shock them into submission. Oh. Um, so that's that. What that line oh, is about? Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. I don't know beyond that. I actually don't know, and I've never read anything anywhere about what it is actually about. But I kind of like that sometimes. I like the mystery of what it actually is because I I also like the lyrics, uh, even if I don't fully understand them. I can guess, but that's all it'll ever be. Yeah. Real Tears for Sale, Lucy Jordash's favourite Marillion song, or at least it wasn't till uh, Care came out, I think. Really? She may correct me on this. Oh, um, like number one all-time favourite? It used to be, yeah. Oh, wow. So watch it. <laughs> Just watch it. Me? Watch it. We're, we're going to be in Port Zealand with it in a few oh. days. So just be careful. Uh-oh. <laughs> I know that comment's aimed at me. Yeah, well, because you don't love it, do you? I have a weird relationship with it because I'm not a massive fan of the first part, but I really love the second part. That's not a weird relationship. They're two different parts. Well, yeah, so so it's hard to give an overall opinion for the whole song. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you remember earlier when you started singing Fake Tits for Sale? That was you, Paul. Only because I misheard you, it sounded very much like you were singing fake tits for sale. <laughs> yeah, how strange that that's how you'd interpret my words, which were actually fake tears for sale. Ah, <laughs> do you see how I made that you mistake? You have a dirty mind. I don't have a dirty mind. Well, mm. funny that it would interpret lyrics in that way. Fake tits for, for sale. sale. Which would kind of fit with the... Yeah, they should. They um, should um... With the previous song, if it was set in Hollywood, though. Okay. Especially true in well, Hollywood. They should license. Fake tits for sale. They should license real tears to a breast enhancement clinic. Yes. Talk to me. All right. Let's see. What have I got written here? Everything I've already said. Um... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. It, at first, I wasn't a fan. I have to admit, because it's very rocky once again. And while I still don't massively love the first half, I think the ending's absolutely awesome. There's just like, as the song progresses, there seems to be more and more proggy little keyboard bits added. And then from around 
approximately three minutes 30, there's this really gorgeous shift with so many other interesting sounds being brought in. And I absolutely adore that. And then when the horn comes in at around five minutes. That bit. Exactly. Sounds exactly like that. It It's just, I, I feel like the second half has such gorgeous atmosphere. And I, I just find it infinitely more engaging than the first half. Also, it has like a really great rhythm as well. Okay. And that's about it for me. I think... While it's not my favourite Merillion song, I think it's a good example of what they do best. In that, because I was thinking again, everything on this album seems to be coming back to whatever is wrong with you. And I think it is that I don't. It isn't that I don't like it when Merillion are sort of heavier or rockier. I don't think it's that. I think it's more that I like it when they mix that rock with a kind of pop sensibility, but mm. also atmosphere. Yes, I think those two are key. That is key the key to what Marillion do best. That's that's the ingredient of what they do best. Yeah, no matter what you do, add in a bit of atmosphere and maybe a sprinkle of pop. Yeah. Not always, but you know, it can't be. And I've said it before, they write great pop songs. They do. And And they and they they write great pop songs and they write absolutely phenomenal atmospheric songs. And they're also they have that quality of being a great rock band when they bring all those elements together it's yeah. when they only you know for whatever is wrong with you sorry to keep going on about it jesus what is what is wrong with me <laughs> but this is i think an example of the two extremes of how that works with when it comes to marillion you know you've got two rock songs but one sounds like marillion to me and one sounds to me like marillion trying to be something else you know, and this with its different sort of elements and its almost kind of sort of slightly unusual sort of melodic quality that they they have in there, um, you know, and the mix with the atmosphere. It is, it's their comfort zone. And you mm. sort of hear, again, you hear sort of H's voice sit within it so much more s- smoothly and seamlessly than on something like whatever is wrong with you, which might well have been a far better song if Kurt Cobain was singing it, for example. Maybe having that kind of the atmospheric and poppy elements in there gives his voice somewhere. It gives it his voice kind of like a foundation to rest upon. That, well, the, here's a the more, thing as more well, comfortable like, foundation, possibly. He's so capable of kind of vocal gymnastics. Like, yes, yeah. You know, he, he can, you know, within the space of a line, you know, he can just, jump up and down like on a roller coaster with his voice and it and it's so interesting when he does that and you know makes it sort of perform loops and things and you know sort of flip around and yeah but a song such as whatever is wrong with you you know you look at how Kurt Cobain sung so respectful but it works with that with what he did you know it works um and when H does it, it, it 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 sort of feels like kind of trying to I don't know fit a parachute into a bread bin. Mm. So I was trying to work out whether that would work. <laughs> I was like, I bet I you mean, could. Yeah, you, you probably could. could. They do fold quite small. They do. <laughs> All right, a parachute into an envelope. Yeah, try that. Yeah, I bet you wouldn't get that into a normal sized depends envelope. Depends how big the parachute is. It's full sized parachute. It depends how big the envelope is. It's normal size, like for a letter. 
So no, you yes, wouldn't be able to do you it. wouldn't be able to stop, stop causing trouble. Uh, lyrically, it's been a while, I think, perhaps, but we're in um, fame, fame pop territory, star territory again. Yes, it's been a while. Yeah, what is it with? Those kind of songs, I don't know why I have like a chemical reaction, which like is I, th- it, which is why I think I didn't initially like the song, right? Until I probably listened to it and got to that second half and was like, oh, hang on a minute, I really, I really love the sound of that. But I don't know, like I probably need um, kind of like past life regression or something to see what is the cause of this chemical aversion to songs about fame. Mm. It's like if it's about fame, it's an instant like, nope, don't like it. Why? Well, look, There's nothing wrong with it. Like logically, I understand. There's nothing wrong with it. It's a great theme. It's an interesting theme. I'll watch a documentary about a celebrity. I'll watch it. We watched Elvis the other week. I love like biographies and stuff. So what is the matter with this? I don't understand why I've got this like chemical aversion to songs about fame. But here's the thing. it It's clearly inspired by... Britney Spears, you know, he's got the line. You is show- it? Well, it I is. He said wondering that. You know, you no showed way, your I was actually wondering face, that. Dressed yourself up without grace. It didn't hide a lifetime's damage. Anyway, so it, it, that's the inspiration, clearly. Ah. Um, but also, it's, an, it's a song about H. You know, as I think all these songs always are when he writes about fame and, and how it's affected him, his job, because it's not a normal job. It's mm. not nine to five working in an office or something like that. It... it and he is not a lyricist who is is afraid of putting himself into his songs. Mm. And this is a song that's about the cost of that, yeah. I think. And I get it to a point because there have been a few times this this year particularly, but I've done it, you know, ever since we've had a Patreon, www.patreon.com slash Mr. Biffo, he says cheekily, but it's, you know, if you want to go and read me, you know, selling my <laughs> feelings um i blog about them sometimes on there and you know it helps me it's it's therapy which i'm sure to a degree it is for h Mm. um but i'm sure there's some people that when i write a blog on our patreon that's that's quite personal as i have done you know in recent times because you know been through a rough year as i say you know thank christ you know seem to be out the worst of it now um but i'm sure there are people who read those go why is he doing that you know, why is he sharing something so personal and private? Mm. Now, that for me says more about them because it's like when I do it, it's, it, you know, A, I don't care. We all have feelings. You mm. know, I'm not talking about my toilet habits or our sex life or anything like that, which I would be uncomfortable doing. Um, you know, so it's not like I'm sharing everything. But feelings, for me, it's like discussing... Uh, you know, any biological process, <laughs> like digestion or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I don't get... Like a universal biological it's universe, process. Emotions are universal. Mm. And going through bad times are universal. We all have them. Um, and I think by sharing them, you can help other people. And I think certainly when I've written about them, um, you know, because I, I liken it to sort of, you know, stretching your thoughts out in a sort of linear way, you know, they're, well, you they're your process, feelings. Yeah, you process your feelings particularly well through writing. Yeah, uh, and it helps. I mean, you know, it was, it was you know, I wrote a, a few 
blogs, I don't know, last month, perhaps, because uh, January was a rough month. And then I wrote those blogs and they were the point at which I started to come out of this, I suppose, slump I'd been in after my dad had died. Um, and so it helped. Um, but I, I know for well people can be uncomfortable with with people sharing feelings. Mm-hmm. But that's, what's that about? That's about them. So what am I trying to say here with regards to Real Tears for Sale? Um, I suppose what I don't always do when... But then I do it on this podcast as well. I'm quite open about stuff. On yeah, here. you are. Um, but I don't. I don't see why I shouldn't be. It's it, it's mm. like because I think there's still stuff in my life I hold back that I would never discuss. But things that feel like they're more universal, I'm happy to talk about. You know, or at least things that that illustrate or illuminate how I relate to the songs that that mm. Marillion write. I yes. Think, uh, all fair game yeah. i don't know but I, again i'm sure there are people who who listen to this podcast and go wow god oversharing much but, but so what <laughs> so what you know what does it matter ultimately you know as well we're listening to a band where the singer is quote unquote oversharing in his lyrics h is so and yet that is what makes so many people relate to the lyrics more. Exactly. Because they are coming from a real, raw and or vulnerable place. Yeah. It can reach people in their real, raw and vulnerable places. And although it's not a conscious decision of mine, because, you know, I suppose I'm fairly hard on my sleeve, I think H doing that on some level, I think, has made me... Go, you know, kind of go, well, feelings aren't anything to be afraid of. You know, it mm. doesn't change how I see him. Yeah, you it know, gives other people permission to, to, acknowledge, to acknowledge their feelings that might be similar to his yeah. or even any feelings. Yeah. To sort of go, oh, if he's, if he's all right to write about it and to let himself feel it and to share it, maybe it's okay if I look and acknowledge those parts in me instead of just repressing them or hiding them and putting a happy face on and pretending everything's okay. Yeah. Yeah. But there have been times as well, I suppose, where I've shared stuff on the podcast or on the my, my Patreon blog or whatever, where I've kind of gone, should I be? But then, you know, which is like this song is saying, you know, the, the <sighs> took my demons by the hand, twisted them until I scan and ride, you know, okay, are you selling your feelings? Are you prostituting yourself to a certain degree by putting your life into a song or a blog or a podcast or whatever but then when I really think about it, I think I, I don't care because it's more that I kind of then think oh other people probably think I shouldn't be rather than me myself does that make sense yeah but and it's and, more a sort I, of societal judgment that oh you know we and let's be honest you know in terms of society men in particular shouldn't be vulnerable and shouldn't, you know, this is all shouldn't in quotes, mm. you know, boys don't cry, all that bollocks, you know, that we shouldn't be like that. And that that's just something I've absorbed. And yet there is this sort of bigger part of me that goes, come on, you know, we, the world would be a lot better place if we all just kind of went, we're not perfect. We, we all have bad days. We all have shit times in our lives. Yeah, and I suppose until people are willing to go against those unwritten unwritten societal rules or cultural stereotypes or whatever and share their feelings. When they do, others will see that 
oh, okay, maybe I can too. And they they will give permission to others yes. in a way. And I get the sense broadly, Marillion's fan base, and this is probably thanks to H and oh, I probably to a, a you know lesser degree these days to Fish as well for you know singing about his feelings and you know we're a band or we're the fan base for a band that is a uniquely emotional band that mm. is you know a, a band that is uniquely vulnerable in the songs that it that it produces you know particularly its lyricists yes um and i think there's probably been countless people as a result of h being that vulnerable and being at points self-critical and and being that open and honest mm. and I, I was gonna say maybe it has that has sort of rubbed off on me a bit but i don't know i mean i think it's more to do with our counseling training i mean i've I've always been a bit like that i've never been scared of my feelings there's certainly been times where i've perhaps pretended to be tougher or less bothered about something than i am but you know these days i think generally if something upsets me it upsets me and you know that's as a result of us doing you know two and a half years of counseling training and you know learning that that feelings are just something we're going to have you know regardless of whether we push them down or bottle them up so you know yeah. we might as well let them out <laughs> mm. yeah so anyway what was i saying what am i saying about this song i, I don't know i really like the lyrics i mean there's one line that i don't like and mm. that is but even whores don't kiss with tongues i just think <laughs> probably is that okay these days not sure why wouldn't it be I don't okay? I if you can use the word whores anymore. It's more sex workers, isn't it? Or it's... Oh, okay. Well, I mean, the song was written a long oh, time ago. Oh, you're fine with it. That's okay. No, that's fine. You're all right with... Uh, no, what I'm saying... Dehumanising... <laughs> no, what I'm saying is it's a bit late now to change the word, isn't it? Yeah. That's what I meant. I'm just saying. It's it doesn't like... matter. I'm just saying. Even at the time, I thought a bit... Ugh. Ugh, it's a bit grim, the way he's... It's a bit... Yeah, anyway, but Stark, it's like saying um, fish would write. <laughs> <laughs> it is, though, isn't it? Uh, uh, yeah, I can yeah. imagine him writing that. Anyway, um, but beyond that, I I, I don't know. I, I like the whole idea of him. I suppose perhaps the sense I get isn't about a sort of fear of being vulnerable. It's more a sense of having to go to that well over and over again mm. until you kind of cut every last piece of meat off your soul in order to sell it. Mm. You know, it is, you know, that was the whole thing laid out at a market stall, agony at a lockdown price, reduced to clear is what I cried. It's like, does it cheapen feelings, I suppose, is where he's True, coming but from. There. Interestingly enough, I don't get a sense of judgment for either side from the lyrics. Like, I don't get a sense of judgment for either the person selling the story or for the media or for the consumers of it. It's more, for me, it comes across more as a statement of fact like a report, like this happened and well, I, yeah, but this I, person did this and then other people made this. But there, I I didn't personally get any sense of judgment from it. Well, the sense I get is that it starts out as a song about the way the media will look for its, its lump of flesh from, you know, vulnerable people mm. and turn it into a sideshow. But then it seems for me to become about a song about him and, mm. you know, writing very vulnerable lyrics and then 
there's even a sort of degree of get over yourself at the end with all the hurt, all the secrets, all the damage, all the shame, all the dirty cuts and bruises, all the rage, all the rage, all the rage. Boo-hoo. You know, that boo-hoo feels a little bit, you know, kind of, ooh, boo-hoo, constantly going on about, you know, this, that and the other. Hmm. All the rage, which has clearly got double meaning in the song. Oh, what's the other meaning? Well, there's temper. There's your temper, isn't there? All mm. the rage. Oh, and, and all the rage, like popularity. Some, yes. Oh, yes, yes. Which I think is a clever line. That's a good point. It's yeah. a clever line. Yeah, so, I mean, I for me, I, I think it's a great song. You know, so you don't like the first half, you know, and I'm not just saying it to suck up to Lucy because we're going to be seeing her in a few days. <laughs> I've always liked Real Tears. Um, so I think we're done. Oh, my God. What? Oh, my God. That has been the biggest. Well, we probably focus more on Happiness is the Road than any other bloody Marillion album because of the two volumes. No. Marbles was a double album, though. I'm sure we didn't go on for as long. Also, we had a big break in the middle. I, yeah, that's true. I'm sure we didn't go on for as long as this with Marbles. I don't know. I don't like know. I can't lasted, remember. feels like it's lasted forever. It feels like forever ago that I listened to Volume 1. Yeah. Hey, you can move on to a new album now. <gasps> that's a scary thought. Less is more. Actually, I'm quite excited about Less is more. Are you? Yeah. Because oh, okay. it's, yeah, I've never listened to it before. Ah, um. Yeah, it's a mixed bag. Some work better than others, I think, but it's worth definitely worth covering as a legitimate release. I mean, it's not yeah. going to take us long. I'm really, curious, <laughs> I'm really genuinely curious to also to compare the versions. Yeah, which is how just, we'll do it. Yeah, um, but not for a while yet because we're a bit albumed out. Yes, uh, but um, yeah, no, I'm really curious to do that because we've never done an album in that way before. Well, there hasn't been one to do it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it's a new experience. So overall verdict on Happiness is the Road, Volume 1 and Volume 2, as an experiment. As a whole. As a whole, yeah. They released it as a double. So let's at least initially judge it on those terms. That's hard to say because I never listened to it as a whole. No. I can say I like the way that I listen to it. <laughs> it's two separate albums. As two separate albums. I feel that listening to volume two separately, and actually the more time I spent with it, the more I appreciated each song. It benefited from that. Yes. Uh, so had they both been clumped together and I'd just done it as one piece... I'm not sure that that would have been favourable for either side, for right. either volume. Yeah. It's probably the case that they got a fairer go, fair go, mate, by, <laughs> by listening to them separately. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is, I think, what's happened to this album, as in why it sort of almost feels a little bit lost in Marillion's catalogue. Mm. The... <sighs> When it came out, we were all sort of quite excited and, you know, everyone seemed to like it. And then it just seems to have sort of dropped off everyone's radar. And I don't think Volume 2 is quite strong enough to have been released on its own. Uh, I think there's it's better than its reputation, you know, which as we've gone through it, it's mm, yeah, there, there's a sure. lot of good stuff on there that I don't feel necessarily that it hangs together. Mm. 
I'm sad for volume one because it's genuinely one of my absolutely top tier favorite albums. Yeah. And I think it, that's the thing. And I think it, it damaged the reputation of volume one. I think if, if essence had been released on its own, I, I, I genuinely think people would consider it a much better album, but it, it gets sort of diluted, I suppose, by volume two mm. and the, the sort of almost patchwork nature of volume two, where it's it's sort of a bit of everything. But the songs for me, I, do, I suppose volume two doesn't have for me a This Strange Engine or a Neverland or, uh, you know, one of those songs right. or, or an Afraid of Sunlight or yes. one of those. It doesn't have a classic on it. Yeah, There isn't a single classic on there. So consequently, what you've got is a, and now I'm perfectly fine sort of second tier songs. But you want like one main one, the show. It doesn't have, but, but I think, you know, not every song can be like that. No. Um, and, you know, yeah, it's a big ask. Put a classic song on every album, please. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, as if it's that easy. But I, I, for me, every Marillion album, even the ones I don't love, has at least one song like that, apart from The Hard Shoulder. Now... Essence, the album for me, well, for the t- the title track is one. I think the track Essence is mm. another. You know, mm. these sort of peaks uh, where you know then the other songs, you know, perhaps not quite at the same height, but but that's fine because you need contrast. You need like contrast. you need the shadows to make the lights brighter. Do you yeah. know what I mean? You need that kind of difference. If but everything's I, yeah. always on the same level, then it's all monotone. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. Something something about the way it was released, something about that second volume being attached to the first damaged its reputation. I get why they did it. You know, I totally get why they did it after somewhere else. Mm, yeah. But again, it's telling that they haven't done a double album since. Mm. Yeah, that Marbles was an aberration. <laughs> somehow the Marbles, you know, just somehow works as a double. Yeah, maybe because it is also sort of linked with those little marbles one, two, three, and four bits that tie it together. Yeah, oh, maybe. Yeah, yeah I don't possibly. Know. But somehow it works as a double, and consequently, possibly their best album, arguably. But anyway, so um, overall, happiness is the road as a double better than its reputation. Mm-hmm. Volume one, essence. Way better than its reputation. Yeah, spectacular. Volume two is fine. It's fine. Yeah. You know, it is. It's not yeah, a disaster. Yeah, no, it of an is. Album. It's not. A, yeah, it's not a bad album. But you know, it's it's there's there's not a classic on there, apart from maybe Real Tears for Sale. And I'm saying that yes, just to appease Lucy because we're seeing her at Paul <laughs> in a few days. <laughs> that, kind of, that cancels out the appeasement, Paul. It's I like, can't it's help not my it. Real opinion, but ha- I'm have you, say it. Have you learned nothing with what I said? You know, I can't help but be sort of open and honest. You right. know, I, you know <laughs> I've been capable of, and vulnerable. Of, of vulnerable. So you know, I look forward to her smashing me in the face with a <laughs> with a brick. Anyway, right. Quickly before we end, predictions. Do you want to know uh, my yes. predictions? Uh, I just want to say my prediction first because I know you're going to say the same one. And I want to be the first one to say oh, it. What? Um, the whole of an hour before it's oh, dark. Sanya, that is <laughs> your. That's not your prediction. That's what I told you. Uh-oh. I said. I said they're going to do an hour before it's dark. 
probably with Quai Noir, and I think we said this last week, they're going to do the whole of an hour before it starts with Quai Noir, probably with Louis Jardine turn him up, uh, and um, who knows, maybe in praise of Follies or whatever they're called, the orchestra people. Oh, exciting. <laughs> yeah. Um, who knows? Maybe. But, but I reckon, That is going to be a busy stage. I reckon we're at least, at least going to get Quai Noir. Oh, um, I can't wait. And we're going to get That'd that album epic. with them. Make sure they're nice and loud. We're going to get them. Uh, and then we're going to get a bunch of songs which make use of them. So, Ah, okay. So that's where the predictions come in. Which songs do you think make the well, best oh, use of Choir Noir? Uh, threw me out, duh. <laughs> As we said the other yeah, one. Yeah, that's true. Uh, beyond that, I don't know. I'd need to go and have a look at songs that might um, work or at least have some Corally. sort of... I'm sorry. Corally, choral, choir. Okay. C H O R A L L Y. Yeah. Anyway, great. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> thanks for chipping in. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so we are gonna we're getting an hour before we start. We are. Uh, so be all outside. Off if we don't now. We are. Guarantee you we are. I think Fire and Noir are going to be there. 100%. That's Saturday night. 100%. Oh, yes, I can't wait. 100%. Um, I I have no information with regard to this. I think we're going to get somewhere else on the Friday. Oh, because it's the only album we haven't got yet. Yeah. I think we're getting oh, album on night on a Friday night. Like they do every year. Yes, that's right. So. Oh, yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, then... I, outside of that, I think there's a good chance we might get script for Jester's Tear. Not the album, the song. It's the 40th anniversary and they've not played it for 10 years. Oh. Yeah. Oh. 40th anniversary, last played um, to celebrate the 30th anniversary of the album. So, good So H has done it? You've seen him do it. 2013. 10 years ago, oh yeah. 2013? Yes. Wow. I think we should end this podcast. uh, Yeah, I think we should. (laughs) My God, my sense of time has collapsed. Yes. (laughs) I thought 10 years ago was like 20 years ago or something. I don't know. Yeah, let's just, that's enough now. (laughs) (laughs) It's too cold. Right. Um, That's it then. So, uh, well, this is our last episode before Port Zealand. Hey, if you're on our Facebook page, uh, I did a post saying uh, who's coming out of uh, our listeners. We'd just like to have a bit of a ro- roll call. We're not going to sell wristbands so that we can all identify one another. But if you do see us, come up and say hello. I'm sure we'll be documenting our, our adventures on our Facebook page, possibly our Twitter page. No one ever responds to that, but whatever. Uh, but our Facebook page, we will, I'm sure, document our journey. And we are, of course, doing some recording for you while we're there. So that'll be fun. Exciting time. Yeah, make sure you come and say hello if you see us. We're, we're very nice. We are. Most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Okay, everyone. Um, oh, no. Before I go, email us with uh, your Port Zealand experiences. Uh, Beampod at gmail.com and... Uh, also, your thoughts on Happiness is the Road. We've not done a letters page in ages. We haven't. So, that is true. Um, Beampod We've still got a few letters to in the post yeah. bag We'll probably read. do a couple of weeks of letters because yeah. it's been ages. So, Port Zealand letters, Happiness is the Road, and anything general. Anything general is good too. Yeah. Right. Okay, everyone. Uh, if you're going to Port Zealand, safe travels. 
don't get too drunk. Um, and if you don't see fall me, into a bush. Yeah, well, if you see me in a bush, pull me out. <laughs> ah, 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 ah. Was trying to be throw me out, but pull me out. I did. Get, I got that. Oh, you got the reference. I did. Right. That was good singing. Thanks. Bye. Bye.
Now that the rush has come, how do I find a way to be true? 